Welcome to the Fastest Five Minutes, presented by Kroll & Mooring. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Yuan Zhou, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. Let's start with an update on a proposed rule. Yuan, why don't you talk us through it? Thanks, Peter. On January 30th, the FAR Council issued a proposed rule on salary history bans and pay transparency for job applicants and employees of federal contractors and subcontractors. Now, this proposed rulemaking follows the White House's announcement and publication of a fact sheet on January 29th on actions to advance pay equity. Under the proposed rule, federal contractors and subcontractors would be prohibited from seeking and considering information about job applicants' compensation history when hiring or setting pay for personnel who are working, open quote, on or in connection with, end quote, a government contract or subcontract. Now, this rule would also require contractors to disclose expected salary ranges and job postings for positions to perform work that are, again, on or in connection with a government contract or subcontract. And any disclosure would be required to include a general description of the benefits and other forms of compensation applicable to the job. Now, for jobs where at least half of the expected compensation for the advertised position is going to be derived from commissions, bonuses, or overtime pay, the contractor or subcontractor will be required to specify the percentage of overall compensation or dollar amount or ranges thereof for each form of compensation as applicable that it in good faith believes will be paid for the advertised position. Peter, back to you. Great. Now we're going to talk about an ASBCA decision. On January 11th, 2024, the board denied the Air Force's motion to dismiss for lack of jurisdiction thereby confirming that a contractor's properly asserted claim for relief under Section 3610 of the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, or CARES Act, is a claim under the Contract Disputes Act. So the company here, Aviation Training Consulting, had submitted a claim seeking a request for equitable adjustment under the authority of Section 3610 of the CARES Act for costs associated with maintaining its workforce in a ready state during the pandemic. The claim asserted that the government's withholding of relief under Section 3610 was deliberate and motivated by arbitrary and abusive considerations. The CO denied the claim, and the contractor appealed to, to the board. The government moved to dismiss the appeal, arguing that the board lacked subject matter jurisdiction over 3610 claims. The board denied the government's motion to dismiss, holding that the contractor's claim was within the scope of its jurisdiction because it related to a contract with the government. That's a procedural requirement for a claim under the CDA. The board reiterated that Section 3610 provides agencies with discretion to modify government contracts to reimburse contractors for costs of paid leave provided to employees and subcontractors during the pandemic, subject to the availability of appropriated funds. Thus, a claim presented to the CO for relief under the authority of Section 3610 is a claim related to the contract. The board also rejected the government's comparison of Section 3610 to Public Law 85804, which provides agencies with discretion to modify contracts to allow for extraordinary relief. The board stated that Public Law 85804's legislative history clearly demonstrates that Congress intended to exclude requests under that law from operation of the CDA. 
but the government failed to present any similar legislative history for Section 3610. So, Yuan, I'll turn it over to you for an update on a proposed rule. Great. On January 30th, the Department of Commerce issued a proposed rule that introduces significant new requirements for U.S.-based infrastructure as a service providers. Now, under the rule, U.S.-based providers have to do four key things. First, it needs to create and maintain a customer identification program, or CIP, that explains how the provider will collect, verify, store, and maintain identifying information about its customers, as well as how the provider will notify its customers about the disclosure of certain identifying information. Providers also must require foreign resellers to implement a CIP. Second, providers need to collect identifying information on all customers in order to determine whether each potential customer is a foreign person or a U.S. person. Third, it needs to verify the identity of all foreign customers. And finally, providers need to report knowledge of foreign transactions implicating large AI models that could be used for malicious cyber-enabled activities. Now, if you'd like to learn more about this proposed rule, we also have a detailed alert on Kroll's website. Peter? Great. On January 31st, DOD issued a press release announcing the list of entities identified as Chinese military companies operating in the U.S., as it's required to do annually by Section 1260H of the NDAA for FY21. The most recent list added 16 entities, including subsidiaries, and for the first time, DOD also removed three entities, finding that those entities either lacked a U.S. nexus or had a change in ownership structure. While Section 1260H does not itself implement any prohibitions for identified companies, Section 805 of the 2024 NDAA prohibits DOD from entering into a contract with an entity on that list or purchasing directly or indirectly goods and services that include goods or services sourced from an entity on the 1260H list or any entity subject to the control of an entity on that list. The Section 805 entity prohibition becomes effective on June 30th, 2026, and the goods and services provision becomes effective on June 30th, 2027. There are a number of exceptions, but nonetheless, this is an important set of restrictions for contractors to consider now. Uh, they have a great deal of importance on supply chain, among other considerations. So with that, we will close this out. This has been the Fastest Five Minutes brought to you by Kroll & Mooring. We'll see you again in two weeks. If you have any questions about these items, I can be reached at 202-624-2807, and Yuan can be reached at 202-624-2666. Thanks for joining. The Fastest Five Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll & Mori LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast. Podcast.